Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Boy, I tell you, we are so pleased to have in our studio today a very special guest from our military, Master Sergeant Victor Rodriguez. He's a senior military advisor instructor of the ROTC Battalion here at Seton Hall. Master Sergeant Rodriguez, welcome to the program. It's been a pleasure. Um, Thank you for inviting me, Darrell. Uh, I look forward to our adventure. Well, you know, uh, over the last two months, I've been working to get in shape. And part of my motivation is that I I, I would see you out there in the morning uh, with the ROTC candidates or ROTC cadets. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm always impressed with really how disciplined they are. And so, really, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to, to get to know you on the program. Well, they definitely uh, keep us young, that's for sure. <laughs> Can you share with our audience the highlights of your education and experience? And, and really, after that, what led you to become a ROTC uh, instructor? Well, I mean, my trip to academia was definitely not the traditional trip. Uh, I, I have a bachelor's degree in management, and then uh, I just recently graduated from uh, Liberty School of Business with my master's degree in management and leadership. So um, I was selected by the Department of Army pretty much just to uh, serve at their discretion here at Seton Hall and be part of their Department of Military Science. Wow. And um, so what, what did you study in business? I'm just curious because I, I teach here at Seton Hall myself. Oh, uh, for the most part, management techniques, le- uh, leadership. I have a minor in real estate and appraisals. Okay. Um, not the typical thing that a soldier... Uh, um, is taught, but they're familiar. They're definitely familiar uh, topics. Right, right. And uh, what led you to Seton Hall? Well, like I said, I'm local from the area. I'm actually from Nora, Connecticut, and I guess the Department of Army was looking for an instructor here, and they they selected me uh, out of my uh, my uh, a peer uh, peer group for well, mm-hmm. out of, uh, as as I was. Uh, I'm a little nervous on that. It's okay. <laughs> out, of, out of a out of a group of my contemporaries. Okay. Of, yeah, Very nice. Yeah. Well, I tell you, when I see you in in front of your cadets, uh, there's no nervous at all. You are in charge. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that it just comes with you know command presence and being in front of soldiers on a daily basis. So, are you considered full time military? I am an active duty soldier. I've been in the uh, United States Army for over 24 years now. Oh my goodness. Yes. Did you do any time during the Iraq War? Oh, uh, I've been to pretty much everywhere the Army can send somebody. Really. Oh, wow. I've been to God Afghanistan, bless. Iraq. I was uh, in the original Persian Gulf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to Korea, Japan. I've been to the Balkans. I've been to Sinai, Egypt. So, Wow. Uh, pretty much everywhere that we've landed our flag, I've been there to represent it. That's awesome. And God bless that you're safe and sound. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yes. And um, tell us about the ROTC program here at Seton Hall and why you feel it's so important to leadership? I think it's critical to leadership because it's pretty much a microcosm of what represents our country today. Pretty much um, every kind of background, every kind of social economic group is represented, every ethnicity, every race, um, every, you know, uh, subject or, or uh or, or background, and you know we're all about improving each other collectively and representing our country. You know, and eventually, you know, their ultimate goal is obviously to the ultimate goal is to be a lieutenant in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the students do they start when they're a freshman, or or can they start when they're a junior? How does that work? Well, I mean, it, it, there's different ways to 
to peel the onion back, per se. Uh, mm-hmm. They can come in traditionally as freshmen and work their whole way through seniors and, you know, be commissioned at their, as seniors. Or there's different ways they can come in as juniors. Uh, we'll send them to camp for two weeks, and then that'll compress those first two years. Or they can be graduate students. We'll compress them. And we have a couple graduate students in our program as we speak. So Now, um, I, I notice it seems like there's hmm, close to 100 folks in the gym in the morning. Our program has close to 120 cadets, okay, and they represent 25 schools throughout the uh, greater northeast uh, New Jersey area. So schools like Fairleigh Dickinson, mm-hmm. Kane, uh, Montclair, they're, mm-hmm. they're all represented here. And, and what are some of the, the, the fundamental things that they learn about leadership uh, during this training? Uh, we have pretty much a three-prong attack to teaching leadership. First, mm-hmm. it's obviously you see it in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's all about you know physical fitness. We're there Monday through Friday. Um, and then we have a lecture. It's mm-hmm. pretty much an alternating Friday. We have a lecture and we have a lab. Okay. And the lecture is just management principles, you know, theory. Mm-hmm. Um, we also teach some Army-specific topics, land navigation, um, training techniques, tactics, and procedures. And and then we all the uh, the laboratory is pretty much a practical, hands-on approach to leadership in the field. In a tactical environment. Now, I notice, I see them around South Orange as well, running in the morning. Yes. With just their shorts and their gray shirts and their um, yellow belts, which I guess are reflectors. It's cold out there. (laughs) So is that just part of the the training regimen to to toughen their, their... their built their their physical ability. Well, there's a general General Senseki. He's now the uh, I think he's the uh, Veteran Affairs uh, Secretary of Veteran Affairs, and he t- he told us that we are not a fair weather army. So that is part of their training, but there's not a whole lot that you can teach a soldier. I mean, you know, obviously if you run long enough, your body's going to you know regulate itself. So right. um, it's just the initial shock, and then after that, they're they'll be fine. And how long do they run? Because I see them. I, I live over by Highland Road by the park. And that's a nice distance from Seton Hall. So I assume that they start here. Yeah, they typically start here, and uh, they, they get assessed on two-mile time. So, uh, But our run routes do vary. Um, before, at a minimum, we try to run for 20 minutes, just get their, you know, their metabolism up and running, burning calories, and mm-hmm. uh, get their lungs up and producing. So, And, and so in the labs, what, what type of instruction do you um, focus on? Well, uh, like I said, it's practical, tactical leadership. Mm-hmm. So out in the field, we'll take a bunch of them. We'll give them a, a mission or objective, mm-hmm. and they'll have to do that using infantry tactics. But every now and then, we'll we'll you know we'll throw a variable in there. We'll have a civilian that just just kind of wanders into the situation, or we'll have media on the battlefield. And once in, oh, uh, we'll take them down to Fort Dix, the military training facility right. there, and we'll right. throw them what they call a. Uh, uh, a leadership reaction courses, and pretty much it's just an obstacle and giving a specified criteria. They'll have to overcome this obstacle right. with their peers. And right. sometimes, you know, um, they'll get comfortable within that peer group, so yeah. we'll throw a different set of peers in there. You know, cadets from Rutgers or Princeton University will come, okay. and, you know, not be so cooperative sometimes. Right. So it'll right. definitely test a different set of skill sets. And when you say media on a battlefield, what, what, what We're does talking that mean? about reporters. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, actual media. Re- yeah, actual media. <laughs> oh, okay. Mock media, you know. We'll right, have right, get right, dressed right, up right. with, you know, uh, with press, you know, okay. IDs and everything. And they'll just, you know, ask questions. And right. And these soldiers will be, have to, you know, be able to address the media. So they have to be media savvy. They do. <laughs> Bullets I mean, we're asking, coming by. We're asking a lot of our young lieutenants nowadays. Right. So, you know. And um, 
what is the completion rate out of, um, let's say, 100 cadets? Do they all finish the program and go on to the military? I'm glad you asked that. Pretty much we'll start off with 100 right now, but every year we'll pretty much uh, materialize 14 officers that will assess either in the regular army, the reserve, Mm-hmm. Or the National Guard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's definitely not easy. I mean, we'll see contemporaries fall out left and right for you know just typical typical reasons that you know th- you know we try to give them workarounds. We try to give them solutions. We you know we'll postpone the area to progress because we want everybody to succeed. Right. Yeah, right. So, but fourteen is what we look at every year. Oh, just fourteen. Yeah. I mean, last year we did eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So it, it fluctuates, but the right. mean the mean average has been 14. Okay. And um, can you tell us about some of your success stories, folks who have come through the program and who have moved on to, to greater things? Well, I mean, one of our most notable alumni is a lady named Dr. Ho Lute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know her, but she was a distinguished mm-hmm. alumni. She graduated from Montclair, did mm-hmm. the ROTC program here, and now she's like the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security. Really? Yeah. She wow. worked at the U.N. for some time. Okay. And, um Another notable alumni is Mr. Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously on the Board of Regents. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, an alumni here at Seton Hall, went to Vietnam, was awarded the uh, Distinguished mm-hmm. Service Cross, and they were talking about actually upgrading that to the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. Now, when I was here, um, they had the Persian Rifles. Is that a an affiliation organization? or It's actually almost like a fraternity. Oh, okay. It's a fraternal organization within ROTC. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And... The, the interest, obviously, with our uh, our administration rate being kind of low, the interest is kind of low. But it's still there. It's in reserve mode. Okay. And uh, we actually have a couple of cadets that are trying to revive that program right okay. now. Very but, nice. Yeah, the, they're very prestigious. They're very uh, – it's actually a national nationally recognized program. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. um, they, they, they definitely all about community and about – you know, they, they, they do a lot of ceremonial activities. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I, I take it that um, of your cadets, they're they're in leadership positions here on the campus as well. Right. I mean, we have a couple that are uh, uh, obviously academic leaders within their peer groups, and then mm-hmm. we have some that actually are on the student advisory board right. or, or student student advisory board. Yeah, right. student advisory mm-hmm. board, mm-hmm. and you know their little congress or senate. Right. We have a exactly. couple senators that are right. actually on that, and then. Right. It, Leaders, leaders in society as well within the, within the community. Uh, we have guys that are volunteer firefighters, mm-hmm. and we have a couple uh, laid off police officers that are actually you know mm-hmm. beyond circumstances and doing better for themselves. So it's it's really a remarkable uh, segue into great things. And and how does one come into the program? Are they recruited, or is it something that they just naturally say, "Oh, I want to be an ROTC"? Is there a financial benefit? Tell us about the program. We, we, we get all sorts of interest. Some people are just want to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, serving is, is obviously an honor, but it's, some, you know, it's, it's considered to be a calling, too. Uh, ever since I can remember, I wanted to serve in the military. Um, we have other people that that are academically inclined and, you know, they look for the scholarship opportunity. Right. And that's how they come in. We, mm-hmm. And then we, nat- we, we conduct a national board and we actually recruit people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Army right now is really interested in STEMs, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math majors. So that's, we're doing mm-hmm. a big p- push for that right okay. now. So there's different ways to get here, mm-hmm. but the end result is ultimately the same. A lieutenant United States officer. And the Army... That's all. There. That's the ROTC mission is right, right. commission and train lieutenants of the United States Army. Here at Seton Hall, we like to take that a little bit 
farther. Mm-hmm. We want to make adaptable, agile, physically and mentally agile Very lieutenants. Nice. Yeah. I mean, the Army has come a long way. I mean, it's very decentralized now. When I went to war initially in the Persian Gulf, it was me and 4,000 other soldiers and tanks and airplanes and helicopters. And the fight is really decentralized right now. So right now that 4,000 soldiers have gone away, and it's really just one in 23 other soldiers or, you know, platoon-sized elements. So that young lieutenant has to do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. Right, So we're we're trying to prepare them for that. You know, just before I came over, um, it was on CBS News that um, Leon Panetta, Secretary of Defense, was talking about the new military. Yes. And that um, they were going to decrease the Army by t- ten or 20,000 troops. Right. You know, but they're going to increase, of course, the Navy SEALs. I guess that's <laughs> considering their, their success. I guess they get more people. <laughs> but I guess with drones and everything else, it, it, it's a new type of war now. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We're definitely trying to make a leaner, more agile force. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Navy SEALs don't grow overnight. So, that, you know, this whole process is going to take a couple years. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately... As the uh, Department of Defense shrinks, its need for second lieutenants is probably going to shrink, too. So Mm. that's ultimately going to affect our, you know, what the ROTC program here at Seton Hall is going to look at. But that has an upside to it, too. Instead of looking for quantity, we're now looking for quality. Right. So we're looking for, you know, those agile leaders again that are Mm -hmm. smart, that can think on the move, that take initiative, Mm -hmm. that can, you know, uh, contemplate different scenarios and actually act on it without orders you know it's all about being uh what's the word i'm looking for it's all about taking initiative not mm-hmm. being, being reactive i mean proactive instead of reactive right so right. those are the kind of guys we're going to try to target mm-hmm. now when i was here i attended seton hall a long time ago <laughs> I, I graduated in 81 okay um the rltc was here but it wasn't as big mm. and it seemed like it's really grown um Based upon your numbers, have you seen it grown over the last few years? And why do you think, if that's the case, why has it grown so? I, I think there's a couple things that that contributed to our program growing. I think a lot of it had to do with the war on terror, mm-hmm. uh, the need for uh, you know bringing the Army up and growing those numbers. And in mm-hmm. doing that, we had to grow the amount of lieutenants we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are trying to... You know, with the absence of jobs, people are trying to figure out different ways to uh, start a career, facilitate a career, you know, pad those resumes mm-hmm. and find a way to, you know, pay mm-hmm. for those uh, tuition bills. Right. That's right. So that's right. I think that's what we're looking at right now. And I think we've kind of gone full circle again mm-hmm. and those numbers are going to start to shrink. But, you know, we're adaptive. So absolutely. Happens, so. Absolutely. And, and what are some of the, the, the key characteristics or attributes that you look for in young candidates to be part of the ROTC program. Now, ROTC in whole, in gen- well, I should say generally, we'll start off what they call as the SAL criteria, S-A-L. Mm. We look for scholars, athletes, and leaders. Mm. Scholars, somebody that has a, you know, a decent GPA, um, does well on the SATs and the ACTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that's athletically inclined, those guys that played basketball, those guys that uh, played football, the non-couch potato types. And we also look at leaders, you know, people that are in civic groups, people that have led varsity teams, um, that kind of person. And then from there, we'll go ahead and make sure we'll, we'll even do a finer cut. Okay, these are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we'll bring them in and have a personal balance seat, a personal assessment and see which are the best of the best, you know. Mm-hmm. And we look, for, like I said, we look for those guys that, that seize the opportunity and take an initiative. Now, at West Point, if one attends West Point, 
when they graduate, they're commissioned as a second lieutenant, just like us. There's not a whole lot of difference between an ROTC second lieutenant and a West Point second lieutenant. It just has something to do with the uh, the requirement after commissioning. I think the West Point cadets have an eight-year obligation, and then the ROTC cadets have a six-year obligation. Well, I'm sorry. It's all, they both have eight-year obligations. Right. Excuse me. But the ROTC has four-year active, four-year inactive. Okay. And as okay. opposed to the West Point guys, where, okay. where they're, they're, they're a little bit now, different. Now, is West Point considered like the Harvard? Uh, so they get the they get the nicer assignments? Or no, <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's just a just a different path. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, West Point is tuition-free. Right, because um, you have to be nominated by a congressman or you know, something Well, like yeah, that. you have to be nominated by a congressman. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a more... Uh, a sterile, Spartan kind of environment. So right. uh, it's it's definitely harder uh, a harder life. But at the same time, the product's just a little bit different. <laughs> okay. They're kind of uh, social. Uh, they're not as, as as social or personable as an ROTC cadet. So oh, we had okay. a chance to you know to relate to contemporaries on a daily basis. Okay. Inter- interesting enough, uh, when I was a junior, uh, there was an NROTC. Uh, Folks came up here to recruit. Oh, okay. And uh, and I was intrigued by that. I was so intrigued um, that I was spoke to my mother about it. My mother wasn't crazy about the idea, you know. Um, but do you have uh, an ROTC um, complement up here, or is that just at another campus? Well, we do have a uh, Seton Hall does cater to Air Force ROTC. Um, that program is at uh, I think at NJIT. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. so if any Seton Hall cadets want to be Air Force officers, they'll go through that program. Mm-hmm. As far as Navy ROTC, I'm not too aware of what's mm-hmm. going on in that arena. But Since you've been here um, in this particular program, what has been your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement in this program, uh, ROTC just does a lot of great things as mm-hmm. a whole. Personally, I, I've kind of liked the uncomfortableness of being in academia because it's, it's taught me a lot about myself. So mm-hmm. I, most of my achievements are more personal than professional, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a chance to go back to school, finish my degree, uh, get more acquainted with my family. I just got back from Afghanistan. So uh, it, it, a lot of it's been personal. Um, wow. The program's doing great things, though. Um, mm-hmm. We're bringing uh, panel members from the United States Army War College. They come up here, and we do a partnership with the Whitehead School of Diplomacy. They'll come up here. Right. They'll talk. Um and they'll talk about uh, civil and stability operations, you know, throughout the world, not just, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq-centric, but pretty much all over the world. Um, we've got partnerships with the Stillman School. We talk, uh, we're uh, working with the school in, in its leadership edge. We're trying to get that uh, the leadership accreditation going off the ground. We're, we're helping with that. So, I'd love to know if I can help in any type of way, really. Oh, we'd love to have you. I yeah. mean, uh, we're definitely on the groundwork. It's still kind mm-hmm. of at the, in its infancy, but I'll mm-hmm. definitely uh, point you in the right direction. We can use any help we can get right now. Excellent. And what has been your biggest challenge since you've been here at Seton Hall as a leader? I, My biggest challenge is remembering that these cadets are not soldiers. <laughs> uh, there's, there's been times where cadets have come up to me and say, hey, guy, or has an earring in his ear, and just fighting back the temptation to pull that thing out of his lobe. Or, you know, <laughs> <you> know, <so laughs> I used to be a drill sergeant. So, oh, really? Yeah, oh, so okay. I was a drill sergeant okay. back in the day, so uh, I still have the stare, but I definitely don't have the, uh, you know. the, 
I, I think we should, we should put uh, my student producer, uh, Emma, through a crash course. I think he's fine. <laughs> he seems like a pretty personable guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, but I, again, you know, I, I, I try to get to the gym mostly every morning when I don't have an early morning appointment. Uh, with my business, but it's good to see your guys out there, and, and they're always very polite. When I'm running around the track, when they're walking off, they actually will will stop to look to see if someone's running, and and that's a sign of of courtesy mm-hmm. and, and and respect, which which I th- which I think is which which is outstanding. Um, now I know you have some challenges with your cadets, as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. but what are some of the techniques that you use to 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 get them to understand that? Maybe something that they did uh, wasn't cool, it wasn't great, uh, and it wasn't being like a leader. How do you deal with conflict with your, your, your cadets, and how do you get them to be more constructive, if you will? My biggest challenge in doing that is not getting overly involved. Part of being an adaptive cadet or adaptive leader mm-hmm. is having them figure out what the – have them anticipate what the end result's going to be right. and try to stop it before it actually happens. Right. So we'll go around and we'll do a, you know, an informal assessment. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll put a little suggestion in the ear and have them react to that. Um, they're smarter than we give them credit for. And, and if we just push them in the right direction, mm-hmm. point them in the right direction, a lot of times they'll surprise you. I mean, they're very creative and it's important to, to kind of foster that. When did you first realize in, in, in your life, because you've been in the military for a number of years now, um, your f- aspiration to be a leader? Well, it, it kind of goes hand-in-hand with being a soldier. Uh, like I said, I've always wanted to be a soldier, and I've always surrounded myself with great people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in emulation of those great people, I, I find myself wanting to be a better person and a better leader and put in that situation to where... I'm doing the right thing for the right purpose. And, you know, in light of recent events, you know, we're in a war. We definitely want to be better leaders and we want to be uh, uh, we want to do the right uh, right things. And we want to make sure that everybody comes home safely. And so that's really been my my uh, driving force to be a better leader. Um, and who are some of the, the great people that uh, you can share with us that you really admire of being a great leader? Well, you know, as a military guy, I, I've always got an, I got an affinity for you know those those warrior scholar types, uh, uh, Spartacus, not Spartacus, uh, Leonidas, you mm-hmm. know, the three hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I love uh, General Chamberlain in Gettysburg. He did great things. He was. Uh, what were some of the great things that he did? Uh, well, he was. Because a lot of folks they know about Gettysburg, but they really yeah. don't know about Gettysburg. Well, General Chamberlain, uh, he was a, a regimental commander at the time, mm-hmm. and one of the great things he did was. He took a regiment to Gettysburg. Part of the, he was obviously low on numbers. He was low on ammunition, and they were giving him a replacement. But these replacements were people that abandoned their posts. So he t- pretty much told these guys, "Listen, I don't have the people to to guard you, to secure you. If you want to fight, you're welcome to fight." He inspired them not only to fight, but he was one of the few generals. He he was in, he was charged with holding the entire Union flank. And when he was down with ammunition, he was pretty much empty on ammunition, he ordered a bayonet charge. That means charge the enemy downhill. And not only wow. do that, did he do that with his regular soldiers, but he also did those with, with those soldiers that actually uh, 
you know, the ones that left their uh, previous unit. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty pretty miraculous on how he did that. Um, pretty simple man. Uh, he was a teacher by trade, very articulate, and he just inspired them to, be, to rise above their circumstances. A teacher by trade. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Another great man. Bruce Lee. Oh, my goodness. I love that guy. People don't really appreciate him, but he's been gone for quite some time now. People still just in awe of his his presence and his, you know, not just his martial ability, but he he was a philosopher. So now now you're jumping into my world. Oh, really? I was a Bruce Lee fanatic. Oh, wow. I've seen anything and everything that he's ever produced. I've read (laughs) all of his books on Jeet Kune Do. The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. I love that book. Oh, yeah. Oh, Talking yeah. about water and oh, yeah. how it's formless, but yet how powerful it can be. Yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. The book. philosophy and the Zen. Oh yeah, uh, amazing person. Um, Oprah Winfrey, another person there. Mm. You know, kind of contemporary person. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily equate her with being a heroic person, but it, you know, she, everything she had every reason to fail, but yet she's one of the most significant. Mm. Uh, people in our planet on our planet well, today. Well, w- when you have someone who can motivate and inspire someone to pick themselves up and to be stronger and to be better, that says a whole lot. It sure does. And, and, and obviously, coming from her experience, people automatically listen. That's right. She's been there. She's done that. She's a leader by example. I just I just want to write a book and, and have her uh, promote it for me. <laughs> just instant equity, that's for sure. That's right. That's, that's for right. sure. She's a great person. So um, how old were you when you realized that you wanted to be a leader? Or did you just realize, just wake up one day and and you were a leader? I mean, you know. I, I think it was pretty much I just woke up one day and found myself in the role of a leader. Right. I was accountable for for people, for my actions right. and their actions and equipment and mm. resources. And I just woke up and they're like, well, I'm responsible. So, And, and you know, being a leader is, is a great responsibility. Um, what do you think some of the, the significant attributes of being a great leader? Well, I think the biggest thing is being an effective communicator. you you mm. got to be able to convey your intent convey your idea in an effective way to where they not only grasp it, but they totally can execute it uh, with little supervision. Um, but communication goes beyond leadership. It goes, it, it's a life, it's a life, it's a life skill. You need communication to be a great father. You need com- uh, communication to be a great husband. You I'm need still communi- working on that. Part. I, 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 say I ain't got to <laughs> figure it out yet either. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, communicating is obviously, I think the number one attribute that leaders need to master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what other as what other aspects of leadership as far as characteristics? Listening, communicating. Yeah, obviously. Kobe said it best, uh, and I know he's got this seven effective leadership traits, and one of them is just, well, what is it again? It's understanding, understanding first before you're heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Right. Yeah. So right. definitely listening goes hand in hand with the, you know, effectively communicating. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when I first started this program, we're in season three now of, of the leadership program. In the first year, I had the opportunity of, of interviewing Dr. Benefil. Mm-hmm. And um, it's probably one of the most profound interviews that I was able to do. Not that the interviewer was so great, but it's what she said was just so profound. And she talked about how the Quakers um, – they do leadership without having a chosen leader. Mm-hmm. So they'll go to a meeting and they'll sit in a room and then someone will, will start. 
talking about a particular topic. Hmm. And discernment is so important to them to truly understand your point of view mm. before they give you their opinion or their, their point of view. And, and I think as a leader, that's, that's very important. That's very critical. I mean, a lot of times if you just sit there and listen, you'll have all your, your you know, the answers to your questions already be answered. So it's, it's, it's important not to be presumptuous, um, open-ended questions. Are, there's a time and place for closed-ended questions, obviously, too, but open-ended questions are, are, are definitely the opportunity or the venue for potential leaders to become leaders right. as well. Right. So. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Master Sergeant Victor Rodriguez, who uh, is a senior military science instructor here at Seton Hall University. And uh, you're going to come back with us next week to continue oh, our discussion? I look forward to it. I'm having right. a good time. Thank you. Uh, as I said, we're here with Master Sergeant uh, Victor Rodriguez of the ROTC Battalion, Seton Hall University. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.